0: Hello again. Welcome to the CCWSA podcast. I am Rob High in Oklahoma City joined by my co-host Phil Naman. Where are you at today, Phil?
1: Uh, this is home uh, right now. Temporary home in California. Okay. And We're moving we are, east like everybody else.
0: Not fast enough actually. Um, we are honored today to have a guest with us, uh, Major Ed Polito. We got to meet him back. Uh, I first met him in uh april this year he came to the ccw safe summit um has a incredible foundation that he's partnering with 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 john daly um and he is an absolute fireball when he takes the floor um love to have you on ed thank you so much um Why don't you tell these guys a little bit about yourself?
2: Well, first of all, thank you all for having me and the great work that you're doing on behalf of not only this nation, uh, now I'm thinking around the world, you know, making sure people are taken care of everywhere. And Certainly here in the United States of America, we live in the greatest nation in the world because we have the freedom to do what we're doing. And certainly, as I always start out, what a great day to be an American and what a great day to be on this podcast and and honored and grateful that I get an opportunity to share my story of what I call challenge, triumph, and change. Um, Challenge was sitting on the battlefield and then almost losing my life. Change was living adaptively, knowing that I changed forever. And then, you know, what I tell people is, Uh, We all have triumph in our life, and those are the things that sometimes we miss, just the little things of making sure that, you know what, we walk, talk, and do the things that we do on an everyday basis, but I'm also thinking about the fact that, you know what, what we do in our work and what we do to inspire and motivate people, we're all about, and that's why I love this company. I love what you all are doing, and certainly I want to give you guys kudos for coming up with a great idea to really understand the, the the complexities of what we are living in right now, and in the dangerous types situations that we're put in safety risk. And I got to share with you a little uh, later, a story of something that came up um, in my life just recently, that um, first thing I thought about was you all. And so it's just a great day to be with you and uh, congratulations on a great show.
0: Thanks brother. Um- First off, where where did you grow up? Where are you from originally?
2: Well, I, you'll love this story. I tell everyone that I'm an immigrant of this country. My father was Colombian. My mom was Puerto Rican. Um, I got my citizenship that way, but I always tell people I'm an immigrant of this country too. My father, that's the way he had to go about getting his citizenship was by joining the United States Army and going to Vietnam and being a part of all of that. And I always tell people when I talk to them about my parents, I just say, you know what, they were very committed Hispanic Americans who understood the price of freedom, but understood that the freedom that they have in this country has to be earned. And that to me was a very powerful uh, lesson in the early years of my life. I, I was a junior ROTC cadet. I remember at age 15 in high school, I had some kids that made fun of me, grew up all over the world. Uh, It was a transplant down in Lawton, Oklahoma, where I came from Germany. And I traveled all over the country and all over the world because my father, of course, was in the United States Army, spent almost 30 years of his life serving this great nation. And that's how he got his citizenship. And when we ended up in Oklahoma, we ended up at Fort Sill. And one of the things, the home of field artillery, and we just loved it here. We um, were honored to be a part of this. And of course, I was a byproduct of going to Cameron University, the University of Oklahoma. And, you know, my roots are here and I love this place and I love what it's all about. But the building block was having a family that understood that the conservative values of what we're all about. And I think all of us have those conservative values that we have in our heart, no matter what political party we're from. But I think the most important thing that we can take from that is that they taught me the value of giving, the value of, of love for our God and our faith, love for our country and certainly love for our families and all of those things set aside the values that were instilled in me were those you know foundational principles that have made me who I am today and I say that because that's the way that we should approach our country um, our principles and uh, what our founding fathers taught us about um, the rule of law and more importantly about the uh, the constitution and the things that go along with it specifically the right to bear arms. And that's where I'm going with that, because it's important for all of us to understand that, you know what, they put together a blueprint that we are using today. And it's been the framework to creating the greatest nation in the world, United States of America. Yeah, it sure has. And,
0: you know, you, you already know, but our company was founded by law enforcement guys. Um, You're talking about rule of law and understanding rights and the freedoms we have as Americans and, you know, having had the honor to be able to to travel around the world myself, um, it's really eye-opening. So every time I I see somebody here that gets all disgruntled and bent out of shape, it's like, and all you need to do is just travel abroad and then come home and tell me how horrible this nation is. Because, like you said, it, it's the greatest nation in the world. It's it is the place to to call home, um, and we've welcomed our arms, uh, well, you know, open our arms to people from all nations. Um, it, I I still think that's part of what makes this the greatest country ever. Um, and then you get some spoiled people that have other agendas on their on yeah. their mind, and, and they think that. You can bring a system into this country and make it work. That's never been successful anywhere in the world. It's always caused failures. Um, the uh, the foundation with with uh, you and John Daly. Why don't you Why don't you give us a little bit about
1: that? Well, well hey, before we before we jump in there, let me just yeah. give a little quick Mike, a little quick uh, Major Ed story here. Um, first time I met him was at the CCW Safe Affiliate uh, Summit this April, right? Out there in Oklahoma, uh, prior to the tornado. um, (laughs) And you guys had the greatest little jazz band going. These guys were absolutely awesome. And this guy was just sitting there, having a great time, you know, just just normal guy just having a great time and all this stuff the next morning he gets up and he's speaking at this thing and man like you said fireball i'm like hey is this is this the same guy this is the same guy we're just hanging out with last night and boom he's mr motivation and he's on it and he's he's uh making great points of life and he's sharing his story and so if you haven't heard his story it's great i think you have a book out too ed you shared with us Um, i know you have a book out that you shared with us but it's it's a it's great. He, he is a great American and it's great that he had that foundational background with his family. So uh, he's the real deal, man. It was it was awesome to see him uh, in action there t- telling us uh, what we have and how we should appreciate it. And we better get off our butts and do it. So thank you for that, Ed.
2: Well, thank you, and thank you for your comments. And
1: I have to kind of probably premise
2: this question about where I'm at today with starting, if I could just tell you a little bit about What happened to me? Because I will tell you, when I hit the roadside bomb, my father once told me that when you take that oath of office to defend the greatest nation in the world, it's about God, country, family, and all those serving the armed forces of the United States of America to protect the American people. But there was a little bit of a catalyst that my mom said something. And she's like, you know what, when you give of yourself, you're giving something very powerful and you're giving a gift to someone else that may need it in need at that time. And those words will always just be instilled. My mom was that individual who nurturing, loving, but you know, if you know anything about a Puerto Rican and a Colombian, it's like oil and water getting together. My dad's the, uh, you know, my dad's the water and my mom's the oil and all of a sudden these two get together and it's like a firecracker. But the thing that they taught us most was that, you know what, we live by some, by these guiding principles and, and we live by a great nation and And, you know, you guys have those same guiding principles and that's why we're all together on this. But when I hit this roadside bomb on August 17th of 2004, those are the things that I thought about. And as my life flashed in in front of me, um, you know, my faith was tested, flatlined three times coming back in and out. It was a scary moment. But, you know, I knew that I had taken an oath of office to defend this great nation through the military and a lot of people forget that. We're not here to go to college and we're not here to do all these other things as as sometimes we, we say that that's why we join. Yeah, those are byproducts of it. But I joined because I wanted to serve this great nation and serve its people. And I think in law enforcement and in other areas of, of self-respondership, that's what we do too. And for me, you know, joining John Daly was one of those things that was, it was all about those guiding principles, learning about giving and learning about sacrifice. And I'd been with some other foundations in the past and raised a lot of money. But what brought this to bear is that he said, you know, Major Ed, I want to put your name and my name together. And we want to be the heart of a lion. And you're, I'm, uh, he's the heart um, beat too, and I am as well. But we're both lions in this cause. And the Purple Heart represents the heart of America and the heart of who we are. And then the lion represents his brand of being a lion on the golf course. And that to me was the way we got started. And we provide mental, physical and wellness support to our nation's veterans and their families, our first responders. And we work with children in St. Jude's and Boys and Girls Club. And to me, what we need to do is we've got those four anchors that we work with. And now we're working actually with the elderly and adults as well. The thing that inspires me most is is talking to young people and letting them know how important America is to what their future may look like and how important it is for them to preserve those values and that to me is what we're doing at this foundation and it's I'm honored and grateful that CCW Safe is part of this movement with us in some way and meeting Grady Epperly and knowing him for years he brought me uh, to your corner and told me about the great work that you all are doing. And it just makes sense for all of us to be on this podcast talking about something pretty incredible. And so to me, congratulations on, on being the greater good and the greater positive spirit for those that need this great service.
0: You know, it's, it's interesting when you you talk about those words from your mother, I mean, what a, what a brilliant lady. Um, And there is something to, to service when you've when you've had the opportunity to do that and do for others um, it, it it's a calling and it really is one of those things that kind of becomes infectious I mean you look around our company and everybody everybody's pulling on the same rope it's not a bunch of egos it's not a bunch of other things going on out there it is guys that have have given themselves to a service and seen the incredible rewards for doing that. Um, I, I just don't ever feel like your life is complete until you've had an opportunity to do that. You know, whether it's in your Christian walk or or whatever other kind of kind of things you're doing. If you're a community activist and you're doing things. To make positive change in your community and things like that those things are really important um when you can make somebody else's life better when you can make somebody else's life safer um it's just it's just overwhelming the rewards that you get from that you know it it can it's almost like you you enter into it and you start to do this selfless thing and it becomes a very rewarding thing. I mean, you you reap so many benefits from that. And your life has changed forever. It, it's just
2: it's mm-hmm. until you do it, you don't really understand that. That's a good point. And if you bring up a great point in that those are there were three words that you know, of course General MacArthur is one of my, I don't know, I studied a lot of generals. I'm a big patent fan too, by the way. And <laughs> I just like the fact that sometimes you just have to say what you've got to say and it's got to be straight up. And I don't think that sometimes sugarcoating things and I, we've all done that, don't get me wrong, but I think sometimes when you're when you're brutally honest and I think in the most positive spirit, I think that you embody three words, you know, duty, honor and country. And and the love for country and the love for our duty and and honoring ourselves is what I think you just described too is that Companies have to have those principles. When I met all of your people, one of the things that I uh, came out from just the meeting for me afterwards was the fact that there was a diverse group of people, all of them with ex- extensive backgrounds and and uh, experience and historical accounts of, of things that had, that they had done. And it, you know, it, we all have some type of ego in some sense because we have to have something that drives us. But I think for uh for what I was able to witness was the fact that there were a lot of individuals that were like-minded and understood that when you take that rope, it means something. And it means that you're not just, uh, you know, I in the team, it's we in the team. And I wrote in that in my book because one of the things that I saw and when I spoke to troops that would come into the combat zone, I'd asked them, you know, me your definition of team and the thing that was most important was that you would know things that you may need to work with this individual on and things that you needed to um, to help and, and foster and mentor and that's what i saw within your company too is that we all have a place and we all need mentors and we all need leaders and we all need people that can value who we are And that's what's missing in America. And so kudos to the company for thinking that way. And this is just an outsider's point of view, but I think it's something that needs to be cultivated because I think, you know, I always talk about mission first team always, but the thing about is what does that really truly mean? And in your case, you're accomplishing the mission, having a podcast, having communication out, and then also being a team member, as you've put it um, eloquently. You know having that rope and if you have to pull it from the other side well then you pull it and if we're competing against each other we compete but at the end of the day we shake hands and we have great sportsmanship and i think you know from a political standpoint i think our leaders in washington dc could learn from that yeah
0: (laughs) yeah i think so too uh phil you got any questions right now
1: well our leaders learn from something i'm just (laughs) i'm just kind of humbling on that one here (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, one of the things I think that, you know, you've, you lost limbs in the roadside accident and you are in a foundation helping people who are physically challenged from the warrior items. So how did you go from being injured to being in the position that you are in now to, to help? And, and what is the, you know, unfortunately guys are getting injured. What is the first thing you say to somebody when you meet them who has been traumatic, traumatically injured?
2: Well, that's a great question. And I'm glad you asked that because I have to go to the building block of my mom and, and my wife and, you know, comments of like the fact that don't quit, never give up. Um, we're writing a new chapter in our story. And these are things that kind of came about. My mom told me, you know what, you can sit there and grieve or you can get up and succeed. She said that in, in Spanish and, you know, I've been married for a long time. I have two daughters. How do you
1: how do you say that in Spanish?
2: Uh, well, tú puedes estar en la cama así, o puedes hacer algo positivo, and which is positive in that sense is the way she kind of described it. Um, and the grief process was a very integral thing. You know, losing the leg and thinking I was I was done and I was damaged goods and you see other wounded warriors that are going through the same experience. And one of the things that I learned from all of that is you never say, you you never, you never say really that, well, I know what you're going through unless you've really, truly gone through it. And the thing about it is that was a very strong message uh, that I learned very early is that I can't, I can't comprehend what it looks like and what it feels like to be a f- quadruple amputee. I can't, but I can you that i know what it feels like to be an individual that has lost one limb or from a counseling point of view understanding that uh in the counseling world you know it's great that people are able to to tell you things that that will help you move forward but in that same token they have to be credible they have to be experienced they have to understand where things are going and that's one of the things i learned in this whole journey is that there's a lot of people that um are going to tell you things that are going to be meaningful and there's going to be things that are going to be told to you that and at the end of the world day it's people just basically what i call keyboard warriors telling you something that you know what at, at the end have no experience in and i think you guys experience that quite a bit i'm sure just with people talking about the issues at hand and what goes on in different places and um and and in your footprint and You have to kind of put things back. And we're all amazed at how many people in my profession um, in the military are what I call military analysts. (laughs) And in you all's case, I'm sure that you have a lot of people that uh, from a law enforcement or other point of view, first responder point of view and and weapons and and all of the things that you do that, you know, that they're over here quarterbacking things that they don't have no idea. Yes. Of what they're talking about. And that was one of the biggest things that I learned in this new journey was I had to gravitate to people that had experience and that I wasn't the only one that understood everything. And I didn't know everything, but I sure was going to learn it. And I did. And I've been successful in that road. And then um, I tried to be a good listener. Um, sometimes I can improve in that quality but I think listening is a very important trait. And I think it's important for people to listen to things that are going on around them. And also um, I'll give you an example. This Valde incident is one that I've been keeping up a lot with. And it is an incident that um, there are a lot of things that could have gone that went wrong. And there's a lot of things that, that could have been improved on. But at the end of the day, what I see is a politicized, Point of view of everything, as opposed to a strategic outlook or after action review process that really does something to change the way that business is done in certain situations like that. And again, I know that you guys have way more experience than me in that. But from a a military standpoint, I look at things um, from that viewpoint. And I've had to really, on a couple of other podcasts, talk about some of these things because it's the it's the item of the day and yesterday i was witness to some rhetoric that i was just like there's no way that you could institute some of the things you're talking about yeah. but how do we get to the point where we can bring people together to create change and create something positive so that everybody's on the same page and on a final note it it kind of i had an opportunity to talk to my good friend matt and we talked about you know, these threat analysis in these buildings and and how every company should have some type of output as it relates to having a plan to combat some of these things that are going on in our local communities so that we can understand, be prepared and understand the the dynamics that are facing us, but not put out information that is um, deceitful, negative and non uh, conforming to bringing change and I know. I'm sure I. You guys agree with a lot of that, and love your viewpoint on it too, because I think it's something that all of us can be taught. And I know CCW plays a big role in all of that as well.
0: You know, it, it, the you know the positive things that you're you're hearing from family. You know, starting a new chapter. You you know, don't quit. We can do this. You. You know, you're stronger than you think. All the things that that come your way. Um, but to me, I think one of the things that, that people really have to understand is you have to come to that point where you make a choice. Mm-hmm. You plug in, you, you become determined for that next step, but nobody else can do that for you. Um, it's one of my favorite things about the services that we provide, aside from the fact that you're gonna get amazing coverage, if anything, critical happens and you have to defend yourself but it's the group that steps in behind you Justin is he's our uh our content manager and responsible for getting our podcast out and our photographs and and doing all the behind the scenes stuff and he's freaking amazing but he always sells this as as really the feature point is it's our response team Um, you know, and you just got decades of experience. Um, And you're talking about guys that have been involved in shootings, guys that, you know, Gary and I both have siblings that were were involved in in shootings. Um, I had a, a spouse that was involved in a shooting. There's just, I understand what it feels like on that side. You know, it's not just the customer that That is dealing with this that you know the concentric ripples that go out everywhere are just overwhelming um everybody is affected you know everybody in your family and everybody on the other side everybody related to them um and if you if you've never experience that it's like you 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 have this this incident and it and it could be it's life altering it's life changing but it doesn't have to be life ending you know you've made that choice that nope i i'm bigger than this and this is this is how we move forward um but you're not the only one that that went through those changes you know you're your wife stood by, all these things, your, your family, your, your friends. Um, I think it's something that we are getting better at. Um, it's one of the things that, that we've given extra attention to here lately is, is the peer support end of this because it's critical. Um, so if you think you're the only one, I can do this, I can do that, uh, you also need to prepare your family for these things. <laughs> um there's there's so many so many roads that are going to open um and some of those are are good roads and some of those are roads where you don't even want to travel um but to associate with guys like you that have not only traveled these roads but you've successfully navigated them and and come out the other side and you're better Actually, you help everybody else be better for those experiences.
2: That's a great you know, point.
1: Think, go ahead. You know, you've got the military experience here, you've got the law enforcement experience. I think on the civilian side, like one of the things Ed said earlier is you know, he's an amputee. He can't go up to a quad or bi amputee and say, Hey, I know how you're feeling, because there is a different level, right? Yes. Um on the civilian side, if you've not had that, it's it's kind of like the Book of Job. If you go back to that, right? These terrible things happen to Job. Um, his friends show up, three of his friends, and for like seven days they say nothing. Okay, and that was the only good thing that they did. As soon as they opened their mouth, they screwed things up. But you know, violence is better than platitudes, and. I think that that's important that being with somebody who's gone through that is a lot better than trying to give them a pep talk about something that again, as you said, Ed, I, I've been injured. I've had major knee surgeries. I didn't lose my leg. I mean, there's, there's different levels of all these different things. So, you know, I think that wisdom would say that silence and support is, is what we can do on our end for somebody who's been in that situation, let them make the decision and then back them and, assist where you can on that but uh it's not the time for lectures
2: no and let me i wanted to bring this up because i talked about it earlier and i wanted to come back to this story i just recently uh, was involved in a situation in michigan uh, benton harbor Uh, the police had to be summoned out to the hotel that i was staying in i had an individual that tried to carjack me with a weapon and um, I was at a convenience store, and I actually got in the car quickly because I saw something escalating. Uh, and I look, I'm I'm about helping people, but sometimes you you learn first you need to help yourself, just like you do on an airplane. They tell you to put your mask on first. So I got in my car immediately because I saw this this act this bad actor. Um, doing something inappropriately and had a weapon in his hand and then he hits his weapon on my window and I take off of course I was safe I got in my car and was gone and not sure whether I ran over his toe or not and I don't really care but the thing about it is that I show up I'm at the at the hotel just which is just about a block away and this gentleman is being picked up of course I called the police in the interim and said this guy is acting up there may be an incident. He's trying to either carjack somebody or, or do something inappropriately. And he's got a gun. And I gave him a description, etc. And all of a sudden, um, you know, they bring him well, they caught him over at our hotel where we were staying. And um, of course, I walk in and people are like, I told the hotel people about it there, go to my room. And then 20 minutes later, I get summoned and get a phone call. And there's uh, an individual, of course, from law enforcement wanting me to basically, um, you know, is this the gentleman that was doing these acts and s- showed up at the hotel, of course, trying to s- steal a car from someone else at the hotel. My point to all of that is that you never know in America today or anywhere around the world where, when safety is going to be a, of issue. But one thing I've learned is that I'm always, uh, you know, aware of my situation, surroundings, et cetera. And sometimes I wish, you know what? I wish I would have been aware of the surroundings when I hit that bomb. But, you know, you never know on that kind of stuff. And that to me is that is what happens. And um, as I um, you know, profiled this individual, I, I told him, you know what? He was not wearing a shirt. He, you know, he's um, he's a, a white gentleman with a beard, and and he's got a gun, and and he's got that, you know, he's he's tattooed up. I just said it the way it was. That's how he looked. And, Certainly, I'm glad that they took care of them. But my point to all of that is, again, the safety precautions that we must take. But also, you never know when a situation like that's going to strike. And I'm just glad that it wasn't, it, it wasn't deadly or nothing negative happened. Um, but, again, it's, it's a situation a lot of people are facing in America today. And we've got to be uh, at the forefront to, for, to, to, to tackle and, and to be there to defend not only ourselves, but our nation and the people that we love. And I want to put that out there. Go ahead, Phil.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, this is Ann Arbor, right? So they, they got you at your room at the hotel. So their motto was protect and room service. But, um, the, (laughs) the, uh, the thing that I wanted to point out, and we talk about this all the time is evasion is the best defense, right? So, this guy's got a gun. I don't know if you were armed or not. You're in your vehicle, the wisdom to not get out of the vehicle and engage, you know, even if you're in the right, just saves you from two months worth of paperwork and a lawsuit and everything else, you know, major Ed shoots this poor homeless guy who, although he has 73 felonies on his rap sheet, and he just came from doing something horrible. You know, you're the bad guy because he, he was disadvantaged uh, for A, B, C, and D reasons. Um, so, you know, you, it, it, uh, it shows the wisdom in the moment is, you're in your car, your doors are locked, move down the road, call the cops. There's no reason to get out and, and engage. But in here in Southern California, I come off the freeway and there's a guy standing there with a machete on the side. It's like, well, you know what? I'm just gonna roll this stop and uh, <laughs> call this in. I'm not going to stand here like an idiot, and I'm not going to get out of my car and engage this one because, you know, no, it's would be hard to defend why I did get out of the car. I don't have PC38 powers or anything like that. It's not mine to engage. I could call it in, and I did, but it's, it, there are times you can't, times you can't retreat and that's, you know, why CCW Safe exists, because we're going to have to do the legal fight afterwards, too. But anyway, kudos for just taking a hit on the car, call the insurance company, deal with it later.
0: Yeah, that's exactly where I was getting ready to go, Phil. You know, almost every single episode we, we discuss uh, disengaging or, uh, you know, finding a way out of your your, your bad situation. And, you know, the, the very first piece of that is, you know, situational awareness and you pull in and make this observation and something's not right. You know, even had it been going on inside the store, you, you pull up and you, you sit there for 15 seconds and just kind of survey the area and make sure everything's good.
1: Who's watching the door.
0: Yeah. Nobody, nobody is is going to get their day ruined for an extra 15 seconds to look around um so yeah the just the foresight to observe and pull in and you know de-escalate that situation yourself immediately you know you've made proper notifications to law enforcement and oh wow guess what problem solved they find him now that's, yeah. that's like win, win, win all the way around. So that's just, that's a great story person. That, and it fits in with everything that we continue to push out to, to our members. You know, it's like the guy that, you know, has, has this issue with some, some moron being aggressive on the road. You know, that's becoming more and more prevalent all across the nation. And my thing is, you never know who the idiot in that other car is. It's not the time to engage them. If you can get a t- you can call it in, that's great. But if you can't, guess what? Take the next exit. Take the next turn. Just, just remove yourself from that situation for, you know, one of the things that Phil and I always throw out there is, is once you've made the decision to be armed and carry, once you're, once you are armed all the time, you'll never have uh, an encounter that's not an armed encounter. Because you know you got at least one gun there in the fight. So, the easiest way to avoid that fight is to just turn away from it. I'll concede to anybody that's good enough for me. Um, that's just a perfect story. Ed, I appreciate you sharing that so much. It's absolutely spot on with, with what we direct our members to do. Well,
2: it's funny because I never, I didn't even uh, tell it many people about it. But um, of course, you know, the law enforcement officials there were were awesome and and very responsive. Like, are you OK? You know, and I, I understand that, you know, they're the compassion that they had and empathy. Um, and I was like, you know, and, and my friend George asked me, man, would, was it scary? I'm like, George, it happened too fast. I'm like, what would have been scary is if he would have fired his weapon into my car. That would now that takes it to another level. And I think that 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 to me. One thing that I want to bring up um, as a topic of discussion or just as a a point, there are a lot of people that have, have some major mental health issues in this country right now, and I don't care what our politicians are talking about, blowing smoke about what they're blowing smoke about, and I'll say it to anybody and say it to their leaders. If we don't deal with this epidemic with mental health in the way that people it's okay in people to live homeless okay for this and okay for that i'm telling you at some point you're going to reach a deal where this nation right now is should be on high alert you should have an alert system for where we're at on crime right now just like you do with the and some other things the reason is because the climate right now is hot and crime is 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 up and the people that these people are targeting are people that they think are vulnerable. And maybe there was some vulnerabilities of, of mine because I have a prosthetic leg, I'm in shorts, etc. But again, the vulnerabilities is something in these threats that have to be considered. And I know your company looks at that. Um, you understand it. And if we didn't have companies like, like you that are addressing these issues, who would be on our side to be our saving grace or our um, you know, our foundational uh, principles if something did go down. And that to me is where this sells. And I don't care what anybody else says, but at the end of the day, if you don't have any type of protection these days and you just think your little insurance is going to take care of stuff, you may be sadly mistaken. I didn't think I was going to get into a negative situation where I was at. And I was not in a very good place if you know anything about that area. But in that same my uh, thing you know I compromised a little bit about myself because I needed gas so I needed to d- get make sure that I get taken care of didn't think this guy would show up at the hotel and so you never know in these type of situations how it escalates yeah you exactly. know the uh,
1: talking about crime well here we are in Southern California out here right I I'm back and forth between Prescott Southern California two different worlds Prescott they like law and order What I've noticed, Ed, you're talking about mental health. Now, from what I can see out here, we have free-range felons that are, um, they're not homeless. These are free-range felons. They choose to be on the streets. We have shelters. They don't want to be there because they can't take heroin and meth and engaging prostitution in the shelters. So there's a behavioral component. I don't think there's ever been, maybe with the exception of Hunter Biden, anybody who's ever said meth has made me a better person. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, he's the smartest guy. Some people know, but you know, nobody spent 20 years on heroin saying, you know, I, I wish I would have remembered that last 20 years. Cause they might've been the best of my life. Those <laughs> drugs destroy lives. They not only do they destroy the lives of the user, they destroy the lives of the family. And then those people, because they're not employable, they have no way to legally generate money. They are, Constant crime sprees because they're stealing and destroying everything around them to support their habit, and what we have here with the legalization of marijuana, which I don't, I don't agree with, the legalization of heroin here in California and Oregon and places like that, we're enabling these people to destroy their lives. They're not being forced into rehab. They're not being forced with, hey, you're going to go to jail for five years or you're going to get cleaned up. It's like. Here's a ticket, show up maybe whenever, keep robbing Mrs. Smith down at the stop and go for her groceries so you can eat and move on your next thing. Go bother Ed, break his windshield, cause $1,000 worth of damage. You know, everything is free to them um, without those repercussions. And, and we, have, we must, as a society, we must absolutely hate those people to want to enable them to continue that lifestyle. If you're going to give, if you know what heroin does to somebody and you're going to continue to give them free heroin, you must absolutely hate them, hate their family, hate everything they've ever touched because you are helping them on the road to destruction. There is no redemption from heroin outside of huge, huge, huge um, uh, interventions, right? Nobody just wakes up tomorrow morning and goes, yeah, I'm done with that. I'm gonna go get a job now. It doesn't (laughs) happen. It's a one-way thing. And to sit by as a society... You know, I, I don't think we should call it mental health issues. They're not. They've lost their minds, gone to schizophrenia from unseen amounts of drug use and traumatized lives, you know, prostitution for the women. They're stuck in that. They're hooked on drugs early. They're trafficked. There's these horrible, evil people that are involved in that. And I would much rather call it flat out as evil and things that need to be addressed as far as mental health. Mental health is the byproduct of years and years of that abuse, <clears throat> excuse me, that they continually are exposed to. I don't know how they got started. I know that we have family breakdowns and that's a whole nother issue. But once it's been identified, our court systems and our legal systems needs to separate people from their drugs. There's no other way to get them back into any form of a normal life. And if there's too many drugs in prison, well, maybe we need to look at who's running the prisons. You know, they're address it a step at a time, but it needs to be addressed and to sweep it under the health of, well, now we just need to hire more social workers
2: Yeah, I know. That's a You make a great point. And I think that that, the distinguishing factor, I think, you know, that what you just said is I'm going to use that as well, because when I when I talk about mental health, I talk about the mental health. I'm not a big guy on PTSD, the D word. All of us have post-traumatic stress events that happen in our lives that we never forget. Okay. I look at that that way. I think when I look at and talk about, and I love what you said about mental health, that's just a scapegoat a lot to saying, what is wrong with some of these people? What's wrong with some of these people is over the years, like you said, there's been a maintenance issue. These individuals have gone from one point to another and the brain, I've done a lot of studying on the brain with traumatic brain injuries and and brain issues. What happens is later in life, these, the brain is not the same brain that you had in this time frame. It's not the same brain today. And the mechanisms, the body um, issues, the body chemistry, the neurologicals. there's a lot that plays in all of that. And that becomes a physical issue now, opposed to a mental issue, which the physical issue attributes negatively to the mental issue. And again, some people are not going to agree with some of those things, but I—I'm telling you, I know it. I've studied it. I've been involved in it as a licensed, um, well, in the licensed professional counseling world. Have a lot of friends in it. We've had these discussions, and at the end, state is this—you know—when they do come up clean and they and they begin to the road to recovery, that to me is where the mental health comes in. The depression, dealing with those things, dealing with the bad. Back-
1: And that's where that's where you can help people.
2: Exactly. And that's what I think you're saying. And I think that to me is a very powerful way of articulating that, that, hey, everyone has an opportunity and a chance to to change. But what does that change look like? And how how important it is to have it, you know,
1: I I need to apologize to Rob, I told him I wouldn't rant this week. And there I go.
2: I liked it though. <laughs> hey, that, that's great. Discuss- <laughs> Cause we talk a lot about mental health and it and, and it's just thrown out there. Like it's a behavioral health issue. And what does that mean? I mean, we've got to dig deep into it. Cause if you don't dig deep into it, you can't, as much as I want to know about the perpetrator, I want to know what the victims go through, too, because they are traumatized. It's it's a whole cycle thing, and I, it has to all be addressed and it has to all be looked at.
1: Well, and, you, know, well you know, my you, it, it,
0: you've got these guys that have these self-induced uh, uh, mental health conditions. Uh, it's like Phil was talking about. That's the fastest way to take a healthy human into full-blown schizophrenia is, is just completely pollute their brain and interrupt the chemical balance that, that goes on in you naturally. Um, and for years and years and years, and Ed, you'll, you'll understand this because you were talking about the relationships you have in that community, um, the, the fact that that we're, we're learning now that you can, you can actually do cognitive behavioral therapy and we can actually make changes to the positive brain again. Um, But it's not just a, it's not a pill. It's a lot of work.
1: Um, Well, it's, it's a, it's a lot of work, but just like what Ed's mom said, the person involved has to make that decision. Yes. You know, um, I liken it. I, I call it the hound dog principle. Okay. My dad had a hound dog that eventually, <laughs> I guess he didn't want. It. He asked me to watch it for him while he went on vacation. So four years later, I still had this dog in my backyard and it was <laughs> just a sweet dog, but the laziest animal I've ever seen in my life. And it was a um, basset hound and she would get up she'd go over to the to the food bowl she'd eat and she'd just lay right there and the only thing that would make her move is if the sun got too hot then she would get up and lay in the shade so it's just like human nature as long as we're comfortable and needs are being met there's no momentum for change and so if we're enabling these people to you know for providing housing clean housing and stuff like this for people who are not in a drug program uh, who have not given up prostitution or those or theft we're just enabling them not have a nicer place to commit the same activities they were involved in before and it takes a physical you know it takes a physical discomfort for people to make a change they have to hit a bottom and say man I am tired of eating out of the pig trough. I thought if I go back home, my dad would, would feed me better. Even if he made me sleep in the backyard, you know, it takes that realization for them to get help. And if you keep giving them the poison, every time they ask for it, they never hit that point, And then they die. And like I said, I think that's just as a society, we need to realize that enabling these people methadone, all this other stuff, giving them free stuff is enabling them to continue their path to eventual suicide and you know 100 overdoses last year uh, more than i think it's 120 120 000 fentanyl and, and opioid overdoses last year um that is an epidemic that we're not talking about and that's your mental health issue and that's the crime sprees that we all deal with in all of our cities so okay i'm, I'm done now
2: well, that's great conversation i'll tell you we just stay, hey, we just hey, we, we just changed the world in that conversation <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: what uh, what kind of things you got coming up
2: in your camp? well we we've, we've got events all over the country and people can go to the john Daly major at heart of a lion foundation's jdme uh, 1991.org That's JDME1991.org. And we've got some events. In fact, it's going to be a really cool event. Um, I I have actually just loved the fact lately that we've been doing a lot with our our folks in the first responder community, law enforcement and fire specifically. But we're doing an event in uh, in Windsor, um, Colorado, and we're matching up some corporate leaders with first responders, which is the fire and, and police and and uh, some EMSF folks, and they're going to play kind of like a Ryder Cup style, or or an event against each other. And I just think that that's just fruitful. You know, some of these corporate guys are real good p- golf players, and some of our first responder folks, they you know they don't play that much. But I think it's just a connection. And then what we're gonna do is and they, um, is, is we're gonna team up some of them um, that don't have a full team with, with some of these corporate people. And I think it's just gonna be a deal where we throw the veteran community in there too, and all of us just coming together. And I think in this last year, and then after your conference, I have really gravitated to you know, our fire, our police, and um, our veteran community just really coming together and all of us can kind of help each other out in some way. And I'll give you an example, you know, this defunding the police movement. You know, one of the things that I tell people and, and they've asked me, hey, what do you think about that? I'm like, why, why would you do something like that? And let me give you this example from my perspective. Why would you want to basically, if you have a threat um, like Russia or China or whatever, why would you say, hey, by the way, we don't need a military anymore? I mean, it's just that kind of thought process that just mind boggles a lot of people. I'm not saying that that may be the extreme, but what I'm saying is, it's just that same thought process. Oh, well, you know, we have threats out there, but let's don't worry about it. Let's just be more lenient. No, that's when you have to be more proactive and more security-based and more threat thought process-based, you know, and making sure that around you and, and in your community, you're safe. And that to me is... Where your name comes from is, you know, safety is a critical component that we were taught when we were kids. And now when we grow older, we have no clue about it. So I I'm just um, in a place now in my life where I look at all of those things and I'm going to advocate for good as a as instead of advocating for uh, negativity and 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 non Uh, supportive stuff, because at the end of the day, that doesn't get us anywhere except in a bad place. And I always recall this movie. um, Some people liked it, some people didn't. I actually like watching movies like that for analysis. If you watch that movie, The Joker, you'll understand, you know, some of the components of, of what we're dealing with today. And there's a lot of good messaging in that movie. We like it or dislike it. We can learn a lot about the fact that do we want to be in that situation in the future or do we want a prosperity-based future um, as we move forward for our children and, and those that have haven't, haven't been born yet in this country?
1: Also the exorcist.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Too. That's old school.
1: <laughs> so we're dealing with. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, September 26, you were very humble on this. I actually did a little look up while you were chatting us up here. Um, there's something called the Major Ed Invitational. So, Major Ed, what's your handicap, by the way?
2: Oh, uh, you know, I'm about a 15. I do pretty okay.
1: Yeah. My handicap is golf. Um, oh. <laughs> that's, but uh, so tell us about the uh, your invitation. September 26 at the Greens Country Club. Where's that yeah. at?
2: Yep. the major at Invitational every year. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you all connected to what I'm doing there. It's a big golf event, but it's also a big time uh, time for everyone to get together. On the 25th, we're actually having. I um, mean, I spoke to Grady Epperly about this. We're having a the first Oklahoma-based in Oklahoma City that is uh, veterans gala, which is going to be, and military gala, which is going to be for all of the service branches. We have a Navy one that they do that they do a great job at, but we want to do something that is with all of the service branches and getting everyone together from the community to kind of learn a little bit about what's going on in our military community and, and be a part of that process. And so that's on the 25th and then the 26th is the major ed invitational golf event. I've been doing this now. my This will be their 10th year and it's a great event where everybody gets together and, And just you know, has a time to play golf, but also a time to connect with um, veterans. And our opening ceremony is always over the top. We have a um, a a a flag burning um, activity that we do to basically retire the flag properly. Um, And we have cadets that come in, and and of course, you know, we're very supportive of kids. Um, they come in, and the junior ROTC program reads out what the 13 folds of the flag are and and then really just talks a little bit about how to really truly retire a flag after it's been flown and it's been teared and, and teared and all of that stuff. So it's it's that type of event DJ and helicopter and it's just a really cool deal. And then we end it with a band playing music and it's just a two-day excursion that we honor the sacrifice that have been made for this great nation and then honor our first responders and and America's children as well.
1: Very awesome.
0: I'm going to have to annoy you on that. That uh, was something I was not up to speed on, and that's 10 minutes from the house. So,
1: that the Greens? Uh, the yeah. Greens break?
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you got any takeaways today?
1: No, I want to I thank Major Ed for who he is. You know, a man who is could have injured, dies three times on the battlefield, gets up and, and uh, with his heart and his determination is out here trying to help others. And, you know, obviously he has a physical limitation. He doesn't have a handicap. So, you know, that's, that's where he's at. He's a, he's an awesome guy. If you haven't met him, and if you haven't heard him speak in person, uh, wherever he's at, go see him, go listen to him, read his book, right? Uh it, It's a great inspiration. And, you know, thank you for your service, Ed. You've given more than we did. And you put yourself out there along with all your brothers and sisters in the field. And uh, we we thank you for your service. We appreciate those who've gone before us and protected us.
2: Well, we appreciate CCW Safe and the podcast and everybody involved in the movement. And thank you. Those words uh, resonate. And I'm, I love the fact that you just said handicap. You know, I always tell people, man, I'm not that little guy on that blue placard, but I certainly have this I have the tag but you know what at the end of the day um, we we're in we're our own inspiration and um, again thank you for having me on the show today
0: give them uh, give them that
2: website one more time for me major yep they can go to uh, www.jdme 1991.org gdme 1991.org and they can go to major ed dot org and um get a little bit of a copy of my book called warrior for freedom and of course that's on amazon everything but order it from me directly because i'll sign it and send it out to you but warrior for freedom's done well and you can get that at majored.org and learn a little bit about my story and and how i've used resiliency and perseverance and and all of the things that i i usually talk about to to really further my mission in life
1: So if you don't, if you haven't caught it, JDME1991.org, John Daly, Major Ed, 1991, the year of John Daly's championship. That's right.
0: That's right. All right. Well, we want to thank everybody for joining us again today. Uh, Major, thank you so much for your presence and your inspiration. I can't wait to hook up and get together with you guys again. That's that's awesome what you guys are doing. As always, if you guys have any questions, concerns, comments, uh, you can always message me directly. Uh, My email is rob at ccwsafe.com. So we thank you all for tuning in and we will see you next go around. Bye. Thank you.